folks, and welcome to Got Your Back, NHL edition. LeBron, Rashog, and MJ, yes, Mystic Mike Johnson, standing by. We're going to break down a bunch of stuff around the National Hockey League today. What's going on with all these benchings all over the place? These are good players getting benched, too. Holy snap, the coaches have had it. Well, some of them, anyway. Got Your Back, brought to you by Kuma Outdoor Gear. They've got a wide range of gear to fit all your outdoor needs. From tents and sleeping bags and travel games and pet products and drinkware. And they are fired up fired up about their new Switchback heated chair. World's first heated chair powered by Bluetooth technology. It's got dual heat zones in the back and in the seat. And you can adjust it from your phone. It's amazing. We've had a couple of driveway parties the last few weeks. And the Switchback heated chairs have been the stars of the party. Kuma Outdoor Gear. Experience luxury outdoors as we say hello to the fellas mike johnson pierre lebron mj weren't you just doing a game weren't you just in a different city listen the things i do to have the privilege of talking with you this mm -hmm. early in the morning shoggy like there's no end to which i will not jump on a plane to make sure i can make it for this early in the morning yes i was in montreal last night back in toronto today and delighted to be with you and pierre with the Hartford Whalers smiling at me every morning. <laughs> what time did you lay your head down on the pillow? Did you fly in last night or? No, I had my 6 a.m. flight out of Montreal this morning. Ooh, so gross. it was a 12.30 to 4.30 sleep. Yeah. And um, after I talk to you, there'll be another four hours tacked onto that here <laughs> at, the, at the ranch. But Pierre, that's, you, uh, that's you, a, you that's like the early morning way. flights. Yeah, that's a yep. smart way to go, though. I like trying to avoid morning traffic, especially in places like Montreal and Toronto and getting to the airport with less hassle. That, that, that's a veteran move by MJ there. It was pretty good. Like my flight was at six. I was in my house at 740. It was pretty quick. So any travel tips? Like you guys are both on the road a ton. I'm not traveling maybe quite as much as I once did, but I'm out there a fair amount. What would be your, uh, your, your, your best travel tip? gentlemen mm. like some sort of maybe for people who aren't out there a lot it's a new world to try and travel in right now mj what keeps you sane i would say when the weather gets bad take first flights out well it stinks to get up and take six or 6 30 a.m flights they're the yeah. ones that are most likely to not be delayed and be available it's a good and if you're going you. to cross the border from canada into the states try not to go monday morning at rush hour yeah because that's the busiest time when there's a ton of yep. business people going back and forth. i mean they're gooders you do those two things you'll be okay i mean obviously this is maybe too obvious but i don't know how anyone in our business doesn't have nexus it makes a world of difference but also planes that planes that sleep on the tarmac from the night before and are waiting there for you those are your best friend mm -hmm. just said. Yeah. right and is there a way to figure that out is there a way to know if the plane that you're taking was the plane that yes the proper mm -hmm. apps, you can get the incoming flight and you know if really? they arrived that morning or if they arrived the previous evening. Yes. That yes. is some inside ball travel stuff. Mm-hmm. So Brian, much Brian, value. Brian, you know, like you and I traveled together uh, a, a bit there the last couple of years in the playoffs. We did, yeah. I, uh, I just do my thing, as you know. It's it's not that I'm yeah. selfish. It's that Listen. I'm, I'm organized. No, we're good Here, travel partners. If I travel with someone who doesn't have Nexus... I'll see you at the gate. Like, I'm not walking through the line with you. I, Red I'm card, yellow waiting. card. <laughs> yeah, that's right. That's right. Well, we'll decide that later. But so you're, just you're, be forewarned, I will not be waiting. You're a selfish you travel partner, plane. hey? Okay, here's another yes. question for you. And maybe we'll do an impromptu red card, yellow mm -hmm. card, no card. You're clearly traveling with somebody else. Right. So you same departure place, same destination place, working mm -hmm. on the same gig. You're basically mm -hmm. on a little mini team there, Johnny. Mm -hmm. You have club no, access. Not a chance. You no, have club I, I access even, and they don't. I won't even go with my kids through regular security. Like forget it. Like get your get your stuff together, get a Nexus card and get organized. Okay, so adults. security. So your first opportunity to bail is at security and you take it. Well, what I'm about not. you have club access and they don't? I'll, I'll get them in the club with me. Call me do... when you get there. Call me when you get to the door. I'll come get you. Yeah. Well, what if you, what if you can't? But I can. Well, the other thing I would say. So share and the wealth. The but if I, I would... can't, then I'll see you at the gate and I'll be well yeah. fed. There it is. No right there. That's what no I was problem. driving at. Yes. <laughs> I So I make the call there on whether I have work. I have a column to, to work on. And obviously, it's easier to do there uh, than, than it is at the gate. And. I just think that's not being mean. I got work to do. I'll, I'll meet at the gate after I'm, I'm, I write my column. So that often will happen. You don't want to shout it in like you're doing work. Shoggy, 
unabashed. I'm not doing work. I'm watching movies. I'm eating food, free cocktails, and I'm doing it where if you can get with me, great. If not, I'll see you at the gate. I'll see you at the gate. I'll see you I'll at, see the at the destination because you stop yes. at the front of the plane. Do you at least make eye contact when they walk back you to cattle class? And then when they walk I, past you, I give them a wink try and a to nod. Some sort of sarcastic, smart alecky <laughs> comment if I happen to be oh, up front and somebody else might oh, not buddy. be. Yes. Oh, buddy. You know, this podcast is called Got Your Back. This podcast is called (laughs) Got Your Back. You are almost disqualified from being a regular appearance just based on that alone. Just be organized. We can all be riding the same way. Oh, boy. Mike Johnson does not have your back if you're traveling together. That's a red card from me. Red card from me. Pierre, you're giving him a red card, too. No, I'm not because I have a lot of the same habits. The, the, The difference is... For example, I will wait for someone with check baggage once I'm there because I'm relieved that most of the travel process is done. I'm not as much in a hurry, so I will do that. So I have some leniency you know, in my system. You know who will be laughing at me right now is Dave Parker, my camera guy, right. because there have been many times where he and I have I've landed and we're on a I've tight schedule, it. and he's yeah. got a pile of cases to wait for, and i got to carry on. And I'm like, this is going to be a 35-minute difference. And I got to get showered and I got to get some work done. I'm always left with that decision. Like, you good, Park? Or it's like, no, no, I'll hang in. And my better self doesn't always win. I find myself feeling taking guilty Ubers by myself to the hotel. There you go, Shoggy. We're all the same. We're all the same. Now, the difference is if the hotel is close, I'll hang. If it's kind of far, I'm like, I got to We'll do it. We have to go now and actually get to hockey. But one day I'd like to do a segment. I'd like to do a segment with three of us. No, I'd like to do a segment with the three of us because I think think hockey fans actually are interested in some of the NHL travel. There are a lot of NHL markets where there's a real debate about whether you stay, uh, you know, near the practice facility or or downtown where the the game day rink is. You know, LA is a great example of it's impossible to win. If you're there for a week, the Kings are always in El Segundo, which means you can stay in Manhattan Beach, which is lovely. But the game, the game is downtown, and and there's a game day tends to be a longer work day than a, than an off day. You Pierre, stay? you lost everybody. No, you I just but lost everybody. Nobody cares about your first world. Do I stay on Manhattan Where? Beach? Where I'm not, I'm not whining. They're great choices, but but it's Where interesting. Are the better bars? Where are the better golf courses? And I don't worry about morning skate, Shoggy. Don't worry about <laughs> yeah, that. See, that's the thing. Oh, uh... Johnny's big time. Johnny, I remember you. You don't worry about morning skates. I remember covering the Allen Cup with you, and you that's and right. I went to morning skates, your first ever gig. It, what it, has it, happened it, to the, you? The older I get, I you tend did. to pay near the game day event as opposed to the all off right. day fun. But. Okay, this was nonsense. Everybody just skipped through all this. So let's get to the breakdown brought to you by our good friends over at Kuma Outdoor Gear. Uh, Jonathan Huberto sits on the bench for the entire third period. The Calgary Flames, a team that's trying to figure out how to up the standards, trying to figure out how to get some consistency in their game. A new head coach still trying to get a toehold in this league sits his big money guy down for an entire period. We've seen this happen around the league on a few different fronts, but Johnny, let's talk specifically about Calgary last night. What message does that send? What do you make of that maneuver from Ryan Huska? Was always no sitting someone, anyone fourth line or first liner, but especially a guy who's the highest paid player in your team. That's never the first option. That's not your first mistake gets you sat down. This is something that is built up to, by conversations, by video sessions, by a kick in the butt and a hug on the shoulder. Like it's, you know, you've tried everything. You're like, it's not working. So what else can I do? With the structure of contracts, the amount of money that guys make, there is one thing that coaches can do to players. One thing. Like John Lee has no move, no, like you can't do anything to him except take his ice time away. That's the only lever you have to sort of motivate, push, prod, chastise, embarrass a player. And so... You do it because you have no other choice. You've tried everything else. And at this point, you're like, what do I have to lose? If I lose the player, well, it's too bad because I've kind of lost him anyways. He's not playing well enough to help us. So it's kind of the last resort that coaches go to. But coaches need to be willing to do it because not only will that impact Huberto, Pierre, but it does also resonate through the rest of the team. You're going to sit down Huberto. They can certainly sit me down if I'm not getting it done. And also, always easier to do it 
in a game where you're winning. It's easy if you're losing 7-1, say, I'm going to send a message because the game's over. It doesn't matter. But in a game that's close, the game was up in the air like that game in Calgary was to do it, it matters more then because you're sending it in a moment where you maybe could use him as opposed to a game that's already gone away. So um, lots of thought that goes into it. It's not sort of haphazard spur of the moment. It's kind of built up to over really weeks. And in Huberto's cases, maybe over like a year plus. So is John Cooper to blame for this being back in the NHL? Because last March, John Cooper benched his entire top line for the Lightning in a game in Buffalo on a Saturday afternoon. I don't know if you guys remember that. Mm -hmm. And it made a lot of headlines because it's not something that we had seen that often in recent years when it comes to top players. And it went well. I mean, his players understood the the message was for the whole team and not just for them. And the relationship between all those Stanley Cup champion people is so different than what we're talking about right now. But what I'm saying is, does that give every other coach in the league after John Cooper did it last year, carte blanche, because now we're seeing it left and right. And by the way, we're seeing it with rookie head coaches, Ryan, Ryan Huska in Calgary, Pascal Vincent in Columbus, who benches guys every night. Mm-hmm. It like. And it's like, it's not just a veteran guy like John Cooper, or a veteran guy like Lindy Ruff that also did it earlier this season, but rookie head coaches who feel emboldened and clearly backed by the, by management to do this. The other really fascinating side note here is Jonathan Huberto and Johnny Goudreau both getting bunch, benched within three days of each other. I mean, their <laughs> lives are so intertwined. Grass is not always green. You know, well, yes. I mean, Johnny Gujo made a decision to go to Columbus. Jonathan Huberto, I guess, didn't have to sign. He for made a decision to Calgary, stay in Calgary. He got traded, but he got traded to Calgary. Yeah, yeah. and and um, both by newer coaches too, right? Yeah. You know, one thing to consider, guys, and like I don't quite know what a coach general manager dynamic is, but when you scratch someone, you're sort of it's a bit of indictment of the player for sure, primarily. But like in Hubert's case, it's gone so kind of poorly. It's a bit of indictment of the signing. You know what I mean? Like at some point you, you need, you know, the, you probably have to have some sort of conversation with manager. Like, Hey, it's not going well. If he doesn't, if he doesn't play for me, I gotta, I'm going to sit him down. Like, I don't know how that goes, but on some level, I know Trey Living has gone, but like Craig Conroy was there when they signed Hubert. Oh, mm-hmm. he was part of the recruitment process. So um, it's also shining a light on a bad decision by management, in, at least in this very moment. Um, on, on a guy like Huberto where it just hasn't gone quite well. Here's yeah. Ryan Huska game. Yeah, we had an off night, and when we went into the third period, we wanted to try to get a little bit more flow, and we went with the guys we felt were going, uh, and that's pretty much all it came down to. How did he take that? He's, he's fine. Like I'm, It's not anything anybody wants to go through ever, but, hey, at times it's going to happen. You're, you're not going to have your A-plus game every night. And as I said, we are trying to find a little bit of a rhythm and um, flow to our, our game. And when at that point, we went with the guys we thought were, were going the best. Follow-up question was if it was effort-related, and he said no. He just well, didn't bring his A game, and, it, and it's not a big deal. So I thought Huska handled that really well post-game, right? Just kind of brushed it off like it was just tonight, and we'll all move yeah. on. And, and my guess is he'll be on the blue line for the anthem next game. He probably oh, should yeah. be, but just for the record. He's not fine. Huberto was not fine. Right. He's not. He's not like it's nothing. Oh, too bad. Now there. There's also now, especially in a market like Calgary, Pierre. You understand the way you behave on the bench after it's been clearly established that you're not playing is going to be micro analyzed. Like, are you supportive when your team scores? Do you stand up and high five? Are you trying to encourage guys on the bench, or is your chin strap undone, your head's right. in the rafters, and you're pouting? And I think Huberto smart enough to realize that. He should look engaged in trying to support his teammates, even if he wasn't part of the game anymore. I think that was smart by him. They really did diffuse it about as well as they could. But this is not nothing. Like, a, for, to a player, let alone one of the caliber of Jonathan Huberto, this this stings and it's embarrassing and it sucks and you're mad and you're angry and you're – all those things, Pierre, that he's got to try to work through and then fighting your game because of it. Yeah. It's just been not not a good fit. And, of course – Last year was, well, you know, he didn't respond well to Daryl Sutter, and now Daryl Sutter is gone, so it'll be a bounce-back year for him. It has not been. So, it's, I don't know. I mean, that has to be said, right? Um, the other thing I will say, you know, Bill Zito, the GM of the Panthers, I always like to go back in time and remember how a lot of people thought about certain trades. Bill Zito was the one who was criticized for that trade at the time, for trading Mackenzie Weger and Jonathan Hebrido to Calgary 
for Matthew Kachuk, a lot of people felt the Panthers were diminishing their core depth. You know, two core players for one core player. That trade now, I mean, that, that, <laughs> yeah, that that is looking unbelievably one-sided at this moment. And yeah. again, that can change. Huberto and, and Mackenzie, we are still pretty good. He's probably yeah. their, you know, Flames' best or second best defenseman. But it just no one could have. Like when you factor in how the, the contract they gave Huberto and the lack of production, it, it's it's like a double whammy. And yeah. not only, I mean, the best player in the trade went to Florida, like bar down, you know, and a lot By of a people, mile. hands One of the best players in the world. Yeah, right. one of the best players in the world who's actually and, probably increased his standing as that uh, and, since and he one, got there. And one final more. thought, one final thought, and it could be an unfair one, but you have to think about all the different angles on this is, are people now going to look at Jonathan Huberto's big moments and seasons in Florida and say, how much was that? Alexander Barkov dependent. Yeah. I mean, pretty special mm. player that he played with for a long time. And and I think Huberto also made Barkov a better player, to be fair. But it seems like life without Barkov has been very, very, very difficult for Jonathan Huberto. Meanwhile, in Edmonton. Meanwhile. <laughs> Is the Alberta show? <laughs> What's going on here? Along the same lines of accountability. Mm. Uh, so here's a question Jay Woodcroft was asked post-game. You guys are in a tight 3-2 hockey game. You're on the road. You fought back. It's 3-2. Yep. Bouchard makes a pinch, and then he doesn't hustle back, and his guy scores, and he doesn't miss a shift. You use the word accountability a lot. Is there enough accountability for that player in that moment? So, Evan Bouchard makes a massive mistake, one of the biggest mistakes, frankly, of the season. A huge game, terrible pinch, stopped moving his feet. His guy scored. Uh, he's done this multiple times this season. If there was ever a time to sit a guy down, it's probably right there. Jay's answer, Woodcroft's answer, he basically said, we're down in a game and he's an offensive defenseman and to take him out of the game, you know, really hurts their chances of coming back. And that was basically what he said, right? It's hard to bench that player given the fact that you're down in a game. But Johnny, you know, we're talking about accountability here. And here, I cover this team. Here's where I kind of hit a wall. Every single day this season, we have listened to that coach and those players talk about how individual mistakes are just killing us. Oh, man, individual mistakes are just killing us. And the head coach, it's not the system, it's individual mistakes. Well, here's the news flash. It's your job to figure out how to stop those two. So that's on your plate, too. And I don't think Jay Woodcroft has figured out the right way to hold these players accountable and we saw a prime example of it the other night. So meanwhile, a rookie coach in Calgary is sitting down a $10 million man, and these mistakes keep happening to the Edmonton Oilers. Mm -hmm. I, when I prefaced the Huberto one, doing it in a close game, this is exactly the problem that coaches bump into. Like, they're like, of course, he'd like to sit maybe Bouchard down in that moment, yelling at him, screaming at him, but he's like, God, I feel like I need points more than I need to send a message. And, and, and this is the, the, the push and pull that the coaches have during the course of a game. Like, you know, we can watch clips of Leon Drysaddle making bad plays defensively. Mm -hmm. Like, they, do, you, do you sit him down in the game you're trailing? You, you can't. You can't. Or maybe you have to. I, I, I don't know. It's not quite as easy. Now, Bouchard's much younger. He's not Drysaddle, obviously. I'm not, I'm not suggesting their equivalents. But um, at some point, especially given the nature of the mistakes that Edmonton is making, that you, you have to – you have to hold guys accountable. You have to change it up. And it's a point where, like, listen, we may be worse today because our one of our top players may not play very much. And so we have whatever, Broberg or DeArnay or somebody else playing more than we would like them to. But we're doing it for the longer-term picture because we have to get their attention. But I understand the difficulty in making those decisions. And unfortunately, Ryan, when I watch Edmonton, I, if I were to watch a game, I could pick out a dozen guys, like, that guy should miss a shift mm -hmm. all the time from their very best players to their 18th skater. We're not even going to the goaltenders yet. So like It'd that's the other part of the problem yeah. when it's whack-a-mole. That's a perfect, yeah. perfect analogy for it. Pierre. I just wanted to go back. That was the voice of Mark Spector of Sportsnet asking those questions. I just want to say, he's an old pal. When he asks a question in that moment, there's so much urgency in his voice. I love how that question gets out. Okay, I just want to point that out. Well, and in fairness, <laughs> and I'm not trying to big time, but I literally asked Woodcroft that question the day oh, before I know you that have. game about whether have. or not he's benching yeah. guys enough in game. But here's the thing, yeah. Pierre, and you know this. Not all benchings are created equally, right? There's the healthy scratching. That is the mother of all benchings, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's the one that is the sonic boom. 
Then there's the what happened to Huberto. Sit for an entire period at the end of the bench, gloves off. That is like second tier. But then there's ways coaches can send messages, right? So when Bouchard does that, yeah, you need that player. But if you roll past him for two rotations, everyone right. will know what's going on. The yeah. whole bench will be like, oh, Bouch isn't playing. Oh, okay. And then you know what? You pat him on the bum, you get him right back out there because you do need him. But not all benchings yep. are created equally. Yep. You can roll through guys, Pierre, and still send yeah. those messages. But teams pay attention. A coach is sending a message to his team with every decision he makes about what is and what is not acceptable. And the players pick up on it. Yeah, no question. I I, I think it should have happened by now in this Oilers season. I, I think the tricky thing with the Oilers is that you know, every team wants to have a true meritocracy. It's harder to do on teams when you have such special players. And I'm, again, I'm not saying <laughs> Taylor Dreisaitl should have been skipped a ship. Clearly not. But my point is, is, you see the same thing in Toronto with Marner and Matthews. Not every team where you can truly send a message and say, this could happen to any of you. No, it won't. Not on certain teams. And so what I'm trying to get to is, you know, a benching on a team like New Jersey that's trying to take that next step, there's still, before Jack Hughes runs away and is untouchable, and again, he wasn't the one who got benched, but there's still that sense there where they're young and Lindy Ruff has a chance to still have that meritocracy bubble. That's not happening in Edmonton. And so there's a different culture there. And so now you get into how far up the food chain are you allowed to actually bench a guy in Edmonton? You understand what I'm getting at? Like, Oh, completely. You go anywhere you want, Pierre. You go anywhere. I agree, you want. Johnny. I'm sorry, like and like. Just saying, I'll, I think that's happening. Like, and I'm a, I'm yeah. a, I, I'm on pro player all the way. I got the players all the time. In any argument, even if I don't play that, I got the players. But you know, Ryan, you say it's a coach's job to hold guys accountable, right? And, and I suppose it is. But at some point, it's the players' jobs to be professional. And right. it can't just be the fear of a benching, a scratch, a demotion that right. gets players to, to, to make the right decisions on the ice. It's not really they're not trying. Of course, they're trying, but they're not making the right decisions in the right moments. And there's only so much a coach can do. Everything he do, does, if they make a mistake, is retroactive. Like, oh, I'm going to punish you for making the wrong move. But you've already made the wrong move. And right. we've already been hurt by it. But I think, you know, he sat down to Vander Kane very famously, and Kane has responded the right way. I'm sorry, like, I know Leon and Connor are in a world of their own, and yes, it takes a monumental situation before you could even think about talking yeah. to those guys. I, I'm not saying so I, I would. That's well, guess what? Yeah. They're almost behind San Jose. It's about time. That's just that it. It's about time, they right? They are in 31st. <laughs> So and, it is like break in case of emergency. If Leon doesn't want to stride on a back check on a Philip Forsberg wraparound in an afternoon game they got to have, then maybe he misses a shift. I don't is there, know. Is there a world, Johnny, where is there – and then we'll move on from this. Is there a world where Jay Woodcroft calls in his leadership group or just Leon or whoever and says, um, these mistakes we got to get out of our game and I'm going to have to start hitting guys. And so we're going we're gonna to start trying to up the level of accountability. But – it's going to apply to you guys too. So just know this is something I believe needs to happen for the team to get to where we want it to go. So just just be prepared and and heads up. We're going to do this. And if those guys nod and agree that that is part of it, then you're aces. What if they don't? What are you not going to do it if they don't? Well, like you, I get, I get, you know what I'm saying though. You you you, you put saying. it to and them ahead of time up. and you say, you're look, this is the, the way it's going to be. Exactly. So what you need to do, Ryan, is that you have that conversation, sure, because those guys are special players and a special part of your team. But what you need to do is then have that same conversation, maybe after you talk to those guys, in the whole room. With the rest of the it team. It does not matter. Connor, Leon, whoever. Yeah. They're, you know, they're, whoever it might be. Yeah. If it happens, you're not going to play. Straight up. If you, make, if you keep making the same mistakes we're talking about now for six weeks, you're not going to play. I don't care who it is. And then you have to follow up on it. And it would be stormy and rocky. And it would be, you know, sort of unprecedented in Edmonton. But so was being in second last place in a year where they thought they're going to win a cup. Can you believe so the toilet bowl? 20 points behind Vegas on November 8th. A like, month into the season. Know? A month into the season and the toilet bowl involves the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the San Jose Sharks tonight. Uh, Pierre, Jack Campbell, that Morning. was the big news that cracked yesterday. 
Uh, I'm not sure what the options are out there to find a goaltender. The cap is tricky, but yeah. that was a that was a big boom across the hockey world when Jack Campbell in his five times five ends up getting assigned. And, and this is you know what I asked a question in, in my piece in the Athletic I wrote about the Oilers is that you know of course the Oilers internally I know are talking about a goalie upgrade in, in their front office, but who, who is that person realistically right now? First of all, we're early in the trade season. A lot of teams aren't ready yet to, to go down that route. Number two, we've talked about this a lot. We live in the world now that outside of basically four goalies, maybe, the trust level on goalies is so low in mm-hmm. terms of the randomness and un- unpredictable nature of it all. Uh, of course, a cynic would say when you're 32nd in save percentage, everyone's an upgrade. But And then, and then there's the price, <laughs> and I talked about this on Insider Trading. Right now, the Oilers are in a terrible leverage, leverage position. They're, it's desperation time. So if you're trying to make a trade, it's a terrible time to do it. But let's say they still do. You're paying an even higher price. But then you can't go acquire a goalie without eliminating Jack Campbell's contract from your operation. They, they can't coexist, those two things. So you're paying X amount of assets to get rid of Campbell's contract, and you're paying a high price for a goalie upgrade for who knows what that goalie's name is. That's a lot of assets to fix, yes, a huge problem, but how do you get that done? That's the question I have. Mm -hmm. You go to the discount aisle and you try to find, like, you just take swings at goaltenders who are on million dollar contracts, which are kind of a net sum game with what you buried from Jack Campbell. Is that you shopping for Alex Lyon? Right. You calling about James Reimer? Like, like, you, you know, Sam Montebo not going to be extended. Like, are you calling about those kind of the teams that have three goaltenders? Are you are you are you are you are you calling Yarrowhalak off the PTO pile? Like, okay, I mean, here's another one for you, John. These are these are players they can afford. Like, without worrying about that second piece of the so, transaction. So take a flyer on Campbell's salary, and it doesn't work. Then then you so you take a flyer. If it doesn't work, then you move on from that person too. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I guess. Here's another like, one for you. Risky. But Darren Drager, Darren Drager mentioned on Insider Trading the other night, Pierre, about maybe they need to start digging into some of their futures to fix their problems now. Right. So what about the Nashville Predators and Yaroslav Askarov? Right. Great numbers in the minors. They've got Saros on another year. So Nashville has another year with Saros right there. Mm-hmm. And Askarov is... He's a 1.6 goals against average, 935 save percentage. He's 21 years old. It would take a lot because he's their goalie of the future, but he's working out and he's playing well. And no, he doesn't have uh, the NHL experience yet, but maybe yeah. maybe you dig into your assets to fix your biggest problem. Well, that's the wrong Nashville goalie I'd be going after. Um, because as promising as Askarov's career looks to be, there's still the unknown quantity of goalies and development. I'd be going after Saros. Now, Barry Trotz has told most teams I'm not trading Saros. I asked Barry Trotz specifically at the gym meetings in September about Saros having, you know, basically at this point, a year and a half left on his deal. And he said, I've already talked to their reps about hmm. sitting down this summer and extending him. So that's clearly the focus. But that means uh, the only way you get Nashville's attention is a, is a clear overpay. I mean, this is it. This is McDavid, Dreisaitl, yeah. and a chance to fix it. I'd be going after Saros, not a young goalie that sure could end up being the next Saros, but how do you know for sure? I, I can't even fathom what the ask would be for a Saros on a year Ooh. and a half on a deal. Like I can't even think about It'd be crazy. Like, talking about Robin Peter to pay Paul. Like yeah. you're going to give up, you're going to give up Bouchard. You're going to give up a first round pick. You're going to give up. I don't know. Uh, I'm trying to think like, not even Nuge or something like that. He's probably too old, but like multiple first round picks. Well, and Nash- best Nashville picks would are. want young, young talent for sure. That's their. Fault. Yeah. Yeah. And again, so, they don't want to trade him. I don't know. Let me be clear. They don't want right. to trade Saros. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. It's tricky. You go around because what, because the challenge for Edmonton is that they're not in a position to, to, to sort of take flyers. Like even on a guy as promising as Askarov, like, yeah, you're going to invest all that in there. They need him to be great this year. or like That's my point. Sorry. They yeah. need him to be average. And can you trust that? Who can you trust that's going to be average or slightly better than average? I, I'm it's struggling. It's just so hard. I'm struggling. This is what I mean. Is This is why I, I want I to I go get Varlamov in the island, but he's not going to be available. Like, that would be right. a perfect guy to go get. 
right. you know, but he's, they're not going to give him, give him up. He probably wouldn't go there anyways. There is that other part of the equation for Edmonton. No trade provisions on whoever might be out there. Right. Yeah. Respectfully, Canadian teams, Edmonton being in Canada, have a lot of players, no trade provisions on them, even with the McDavid dry settle dynamic. So there's, that's the other part of going to get established players who have no trade protection. Yeah, like for example, Edmonton's are on those lists. And for example, and you know, John Gibson, and people are pretty mixed on him. I think he's still a really good goalie who's who's had, you know, pretty bad defense in front of him the last few years. But whatever you think of him, again, he's got no trade provisions. He's an American mm-hmm. guy. Like, is he really waving to go to Edmonton? So yeah, that's a great point, MJ. It's not just find the guy, but then it's like does does that guy have have power to say no? Find the guy, make like overpay to get him. And then make sure he wants to get there. And then you pray that he performs like the way that you hope that he does. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's and then know, Johnny, they basically took, they did this already with Campbell and they missed yeah. badly, right? They took a swing and they missed terribly. But in terms of the to-do list, then you also have to come up with the assets to move along with Jack Campbell to get him out. So you talk about the assets you got to pay to get a good goalie. Right. Right. And now you got to package assets to move Campbell out. That it, It's going to be expensive to fix. But that's Wh- what Which happens. is why... I'm bargain basement shopping, gonna catch lightning yeah. in a bottle. Like Alex Lyon got Florida into the playoffs last year. Yeah. Right? Like I'm trying to catch yeah. lightning in a bottle in a million bucks. And I'm gonna buy know. Jack Campbell out this summer. And I can't afford to give up everything it's gonna take to get rid of that guy, plus bring the other guy in. All yeah. right. It's it's a nightmare. It's a nightmare situation that they're trying to unpack. Tough to envision that things get better at Edmonton with McDavid and Drysidle middling as they are right now. And when mm-hmm. I say middling, I mean by their standards, right? right. Expectations. Yes are sky high for these players. I don't think McDavid is healthy. Uh, we keep asking him and he keeps saying he's fine. But as I watch him every night, I think this is there's something going on here. Um, uh, Drysidle, I don't know that there's an injury there. But Johnny, the numbers are, are mind-numbing. Neither of these guys anywhere near the top 10 in points per game. Like, it's, mm-hmm. it's stunning the fall offensively for both of these players. I mean, we're talking about 170 points for McDavid in the preseason show. Like, you know, there there was no expectation that either one of these guys would do anything but 50 goals and 120 plus points. Now, I might have suggested there might be some regression because everyone in Edmonton had a career year last year, right? From the power play to the shooting percentages to all those things. So, you know, there is maybe some of that. But yeah, like regression for Connor McDavid still leaves him as the best player. That's the, that's the part. Like, I watch, and, you know, last year maybe is a tough year to compare it to because it was so special. But you watched him last year, and there was never – you know, Ryan. There was never two games in a row where he wasn't like, oh, my God, look how good this guy is. Mm-hmm. And now you watch him, and it's like, oh, yeah, he's good. But he's not like a supernova force that the other team just cannot deal with. And, you know, he's not getting – the same looks, he, the, the shot looks a little, he's not getting around the net. It's in the, the hands, Johnny. I'm telling you, it's in the hands. The number the of pucks that he's bobbling and his shot. And look at and, his face-off stats. And the pa- like, even his passing, which is the best in the world, like, you know, a little fine-touch passing by his standards, again, better than still than 90% of the league, but not up to what you expect him to be. But I, I don't know, you know, if he's not, if he is healthy, then it's almost a bigger head-scratcher. And, and he you know, actually is to, then you're like, I don't know what's going on. You almost the, hope he's not quite right because that would at least offer up an explanation, Pierre. And, and there's so many players you can look at in the Oilers saying regression. I mean, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, is, at least outside of your market, Ryan has escaped blame mostly, but he was so unbelievable. Well, third you know, highest power play you know? point total in the league last year, right? Yeah. And, and the power plays cooled off considerably from where it was. So that's going to hit yeah. him hard. I think he was instrumental in what allowed the Oilers to do last year, matchups and all kinds of things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's he's another player that's regressed, and I think that's hurt them. But um, I'll tell you what, I'm not ready to write off this Oilers team. And one of the things that I looked at yesterday is that if you look at the bottom of the Western Conference playoff race, it, it's so far shaping up to be a bit of a weird year where We've got some teams that haven't contended in a long time trying to get in there and other teams struggling. But this could be one of the few years in a long time where the eighth spot could be a low point total, potentially. And that, mm. if you're grasping at straws <laughs> and, and trying to look for a path, <laughs> a path for the Oilers, I, I actually think, the because it's over now to be top three in the Pacific in my mind, but, but, uh, but I think they still have a shot at a wild card spot in part because of this, you know, 
Arizona and all these teams looking at muddy area. middle. They're yeah, staring so. up at Anaheim, Arizona, well, St. Louis, Seattle. Right. That's who they're seeing. But those are all catchable teams, up. right? They're catchable yeah. teams. Like, Anaheim's going to cool off. Yeah, Arizona's going to be better. But are they going to get ninety-five? They might up with eighty-nine. Like I think Pierre's points well made. Like does ninety get you in? Right. And then you start running the numbers. What it takes to get to ninety, whatever that is, forty-two <laughs> and twenty-eight or something, for them to get to around ninety. So, yeah. That, that's that's kind of where they're at. I'm with you, Pierre. But you know what? I will say this. There are two more weeks of playing crappy from almost being dead in the water. Too far away from the wow. Oh, yeah. Right? I wouldn't even give them two weeks. Like another 10 days of this. You know, like it's it's their season is very much hanging in the balance here. And we don't want to be dramatic, right? Especially when you're talking about people's jobs. We don't take that stuff lightly. But if somehow they don't beat the San Jose Sharks tonight, I mean, it, like, like nothing is off the table at that point. Yeah, it's all like it's crazy. You'd think like it's honestly, I'm I'm a player right now, and you're thinking, who's the one team I'd like to play if we had to win? Of course, you're gonna say San Jose because they're awful. Yeah. But who's the one team that there is more pressure than any other team to make sure you do win? It's the yeah. San Jose Sharks. Like, if you don't win, the de- sure the upside is there because they're bad. But the downside, if you don't beat San Jose, who are playing a back-to-back, like, like it is, Pierre, right. it already, like, you know, what's that meme with the little guy in the school table with the fire all around him? Everything's fine? No, everything won't be fine. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's look, gym, it's not like, a meme. But, yeah, it'd be, it's, it's going to be fascinating. A lot of pressure. A lot of pressure. I, I don't, you know, I don't think Oilers management sees a team that's given up on its coach right now. But I can't tell you what that loss would do. And again, mm. the Oilers have a fascinating setup right now where, you know, you got a, a, an owner that really cares about his team, like a lot of owners. But I think at time, Daryl Case can be, you know, tough to work for. I think, is that a fair comment, Ryan? Um, so this, you know, yeah. this, would be, this would be an interesting time. He's passionate. Yeah. Um, you got Paul Coffey, who has a lot of influence there. You got a new boss and Jeff Jackson. Uh, who clearly, I think, would feel the pressure to write this ship. And you think about his relationship with Connor McDavid. And then you got Ken Holland. Yep. Um, Holland in the last year of his deal. In the last year of his deal. And I, yeah. and I, made, I made that point in, in my piece in the athletic because it, it, I wasn't trying to point something out that was – I'm just saying sometimes you can't see the forest for the trees. He's a lame duck GM. And, and, you know, we made such a big deal in Toronto last year for different reasons, but that Kyle Dubas was on the last year of his deal. It ended up having an unbelievable impact, I think, on, on the drama in Toronto that he was on the last year of his deal. Now, this is different because this was – Ken Holland was, I think, Ryan, you may agree or disagree, I think was always wanting to do the five years and then and then move on, whether he's an advisor with the Oilers or not, we'll see. But So there's nothing dramatic here, but it's still a fact – that the GM of the team has months left on his contract while all this mm. is happening. It just adds to yep. all the sort of the layers of it. Ryan, I'm curious about this. You're around these guys more than Jerry or I might be. The uh, very obvious frustration venting from the top players, from the coach last game against Vancouver. Is that good? Is that a good thing, do you think? Knowing the players, like, is that a good thing that they're sort of swinging away and pushing back and whatever. Yeah, I, th- I think it's an indication of just how high the frustration level is. I think it's an indication that they don't feel like they have the answers at their fingertips. Mm. There's a lot of confidence in this group, right? They've done a lot of pretty incredible things offensively, and their mojo is gone. So they're kind of swinging in the wind right now a little bit is what I sense. You know what, you know what Johnny? All that stuff we saw at the end of that last game, and I'm not talking about McDavid here, but – there was nothing that came out of any of those melees where I'm like, oh, there it is. There's a team that's right. really saying we've had enough and we're going to galvanize and stick together. Yeah. It was a bunch of posturing. It was a bunch of face washing in the corner. Connor McDavid was into it in the corner, took way too long for anybody to get in there with him. It was a bunch of posturing. Other than Zach Hyman jumping on JT Miller, it was a bunch of meaningless posturing to me. Right. There was no line drawn in the sand by that group that yeah. night. I, I think uh, you probably said it. They're searching, and they can't find it. They can't find it. All right, They're trying, been, but they can't find it. It's been like the uh, the the Alberta podcast so far, so we got to move on. Let's uh, go around the league, and because we've gone long, we'll do some quick hitter style, because I know you guys love this. 
uh, and some of these from the brilliant brain of the quiz master. So first quick hitter, Austin Matthews has more goals, 312 over the first 493 games of his career than Alex Ovechkin. Matthews ult- will will <laughs> Matthews ultimately be regarded as the best goal scorer, if not the greatest, in NHL history. So in the same number of games, Matthews mm. has scored more. No, because Ovi's done that same sort of clip for almost, you know, the better part of 15 years. You know, maybe he might have the highest ceiling over the first seven years, but trying to stay healthy is a challenge in itself, Pierre. Uh, I just don't know. Any, I, I mean, I can't see anyone getting 800. I just can't see it. As great as Austin Matthews is. So um, it's going to be probably not for me. I could care less. I cannot wrap my mind around that question. <laughs> There's so much news to get to, and that's what we're at talking about right now. Oh, my God. Come on. Well, I mean, Matthew, like, the, the goal-scoring prowess is impressive. Same point of his career. He's got more goals than Alex Ovechkin. And some, mm-hmm. some who can process more than one thing at a time thought that was interesting, Pierre. Okay. Next. Don't give in, don't give Pierre gum because he won't walk. I know he's look, he's lost it. He's <laughs> he's falling asleep. Okay, Pierre. You know what? You just earned yourself the first answer on this next one. Since you want to be in the moment, can't be much more in the moment than this, bud. Who's the most likely to be let go before the end of the season? Woodcroft or DJ Smith? Oh, I think yeah, right that's a now. face punch for Pierre. He doesn't. Yeah. It's hard to like it because it's not what you think it is with these it's things. It's tough. Having been brought behind the scenes on, yeah. on how these decisions are made, you'd be surprised sometimes how. All goes as Pierre's thinking about it. I think, unfortunately, I think it's DJ. Yeah. I think the new ownership kind of president sort of GM is, is circling there. And I think even though they're off to a better start than Edmonton, um it feels like they need like the problems that are plaguing ottawa still have plagued them for years and years and years and i think you can make a case that you know maybe some coaching might have something to do with that uh i play with dj don't want it to happen but i think if i had to say i'd probably say dj and and at the end of the day that's the easier move because he's on an expiring deal which often plays into it yeah and both both management teams are looking for reasons not to have to do it. That's right. definitely the case to. in Edmonton. Yeah. Neither yeah. one wants to. This isn't fait accompli. Both management staffs are uncomfortable that they're even having these conversations. So a bit of a turnaround, especially in Edmonton, and I think that that, that gets avoided. Okay, Pierre, we'll give you this one because this is right in your wheelhouse. Where's Patrick Kane going to go? Because as you have been reporting, it's been heating up a little bit, bud. So what do you got? Yeah, just to, just to remind people, I wrote about this last night. So Pat Brisson mm-hmm. last night uh, told me that they've now begun the actual process of talking to teams. They've spoken to some coaches and GMs this week. Uh, the process could last a couple of weeks. There's no timeline on him signing or making a decision. They're taking their time. But the key thing here that, that Pat Brisson said is they're limiting this process to five or six teams, quote unquote. Even though there were like 12 teams that reached out in July. So they've already cut down the list. Obviously, he would not share who those five or six teams are. But I will tell you this I bet you that list looks different today in, in close in November than hmm. it would have in September. Because a lot of this is, I think, Patrick Kane wanted to go to a team that, that has a chance to win. Um, but, you know, listen, I, I think that. Uh, Again, without no honestly not knowing who's leading the fray right now, I think there's some obvious teams. I mean, Buffalo has come back and made themselves, um, you know, into the mix now. That's his hometown team, and I know that uh, Kevin Adams has reached out. Um, uh, the New York Rangers, where he finished the year, uh, Detroit with Steve Eisenman. I mean, there's there's some fits there. I will say this too. Um, Teams are really going to want to know medically. I know he's about to get cleared, but they're going to want to take a look at him. Obviously, hip resurfacing is mm-hmm. a, is a tough thing to come back from. But Patrick Kane sounds like he's he's doing pretty good on that front. I think the team, like as great as Patrick Kane is, like and, and assuming he's healthy and, and productive, you got to make sure he fits your style, right. your system, right? Uh, you can, just you can't just plug him into anything. Expect you're going to get Hall of Famer Patrick Kane. But I'd love to see him in LA, who are a mm. very good team who have the puck an awful lot right. and would be fun to watch him go. 
or maybe back in New York. I'm picking those two markets. Two big L, two big American markets for a big American star would be fun. Right, the Kings the story with uh, Arvidsson Vancouver. out yep. on top of it. Yeah. Yeah. The story in Vancouver has been a great one. One of the better ones in the National Hockey League this season, 9-2-1. and one. Jamie McLennan talks about the spine of their team, right? Demko, Hughes, Patterson. I mean, you have those three. That's one of each of the big ones. Um, add Rick Tockett and Patrick Alvin into the mix, guys. Who, who do you think gets the most credit for what has happened in Vancouver this year, Johnny? Patrick Demko. I mean, the most important position. He's the most important player. His goal save above expected is monstrous. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like Rick talk, and then probably talk, I guess, because talk seemingly got that team on the same page and feeling good about themselves and everyone sort of getting along and playing well. But um, I'm not giving anything up to the upper management just yet. But yeah, the goaltender. I mean, he's such a difference maker every night because you look at Vancouver, it's not like they are playing as well as their record suggests, they are resulting as well as their record suggests. <laughs> right. And that's different. And I think a lot of that resulting is because of Thatcher Demko. I love the way you put that, resulting. Yeah. That's I, I'll say Rick Tockett. I think the, 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 the culture shift and the mentality of that team has really changed on a Rick Tockett. That doesn't mean that you can fight off the analytics over time and all, this, all these things that Mike Johnson's talking about. Uh, but their body language is different this year. Uh, under Rick Tockett, and I really believe in that stuff that that matters. And and if you want to talk, by the way, about Demko, you want to talk about a microcosm of two franchises of why the goalie matters is that game the other night between the Oilers. And oh the yeah, I mean the Oilers are nineteen over Vancouver early, yeah. down two one. Yeah, the Oilers <laughs> were back, baby. The Oilers were back. Did you see the way they looked? Mm-hmm. Thatcher Demko was like, yeah, we're okay. Yeah. Bought his team the time to break the will. And, it didn't and I can't believe we haven't even with. said Quinn Hughes here. Because Quinn Hughes, at the season yeah. stopped today, Quinn Hughes gets the Norris. I think he gets the heart if it stopped today. That's Woo. how good he's been for Vancouver. Wow. He beat out his brother. That'd be something. Mm-hmm. Man, oh, man. Two, brothers. What, when was the last time brothers would have been in contention for the heart trophy? Well, the Richards? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. That's a good one. Uh, okay, lastly, Pierre, we're going to wrap here. Uh, Brock McGillis, friend of the podcast. We've had him on before. And uh, it was a great interview, boy. He and Bane Pettinger came on with us last year. Uh, the first openly gay men's professional hockey player is embarking on a mission this upcoming hockey season to ensure the game of hockey takes important strides to be a welcoming space. So here's what he's doing. I love this. Speaking to 100 high school-aged minor hockey teams in a hundred days. So a hundred teams in a hundred days spreading the message stops include Vancouver, Calgary, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Ottawa, Montreal, Toronto, spanning from November 23rd to uh, 2023 to February, 2024. Mm. You know, it's easier to hop on podcasts and spread the message that way. It's another thing to go get on planes, trains, automobiles, vehicles, and to go put in that kind of commitment. Pretty cool here, Pierre. I told Brock yesterday we chatted and I said, I hope you got Marriott points because uh, you'll be collecting Marriott <laughs> points on this trip. Just don't um, travel with Johnny. Brock, yeah. do not travel with Mike um, Johnson. I'll he will wait leave you high and dry. But, but all, kidding, uh, all kidding aside, this is, I mean, this guy's tireless efforts to make the game more inclusive. And, and also, this is what Brock McGillis truly, he doesn't, he's not a shouting from the rooftops guy that, you know, tweet about mm-hmm. this. What he really wants to do is put in the work and meet people and talk to people and try to, to, to have them hear his experience, what he has to say in, in this space, not in front of the cameras, behind the scenes. And he's spoken with a number of NHL teams too the last few years. That's what he's interested. That's how he wants to bring change. And you know, I got the alphabet thing behind me and that's what he started with Ben Benninger. That's where he believes the work is, you know, not for the cameras. And I, I give that guy credit. I'll just say this. That's an amazing endeavor. I think that's probably the best place to go. Younger, grassroots, people who need to have their maybe eyes and ears opened up a little bit. But I'll also say this, and I don't want to be naive. And and I I think, you know, in large part, like when a player decides to come out in the NHL, I, I think he will be universally embraced and supported 
And I don't think, I, I mean, not across, like, I know we saw last year, like the different things, like I get it. There's going to be the odd outlier, but I don't, like, I think, I, I, like I almost, I'm almost looking forward to whoever has the courage to want to do that because mm-hmm. I think I would, I think the hockey world might surprise, the hockey players will surprise people. They'll be like, yeah, who, like we're here for you, but we don't really care. I think that yeah. will be the overriding sentiment for 98% of the players. You know, and I, I don't, I, I wouldn't say I disagree with you, Johnny, but what I would say is, I mean, the percentages show, the percentages yeah. show that they're There's out there. There's gay players playing now. And what I would say is that yeah. I want that to be the case for this game that we love. I really do. But there's a reason it hasn't happened yet, right? There's yeah. a reason that it hasn't happened yet when the game, when when, when that truly will be the case. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think and, that and the vast majority and, and it'll be a universally embraced person. And uh, good for Brock McGillis to get out there yeah. and, and do what well, he's then, doing, right? Just and, taking well, great actions here. And it's not just about the players. You know, there are gay players in the, in the league today. It's not just about them in my mind. It's also about not losing some young athletes who actually give up on the game because they don't feel like they belong. That's a huge yeah. part here. I mean, that's why the courage of Luke Prokop and, and Brock McGillis and Mayne Benninger and so on, That that's about setting up the next generations so that athletes know, hey, I got a place in this sport too. All right. Johnny, I'm sure you got a plane to catch, buddy. We'll let you uh, get yourself on. I've got a nap to take. Big nap. nap Big nap. (laughs) I'm a big napper. There's nothing like a good 40-minute afternooner for me. 40 minutes. I am a Hall of Fame. Hall of Fame caliber napper. My naps are like three and a half hours. What? Don't you have children? How did you do that when your kids were young? They go to school. What schools are for. Yeah. Half hour max for me. And then I start thinking, what am I doing? I got, I bought in the sleep doctor in Arizona way back 20 years ago. He said, you have to sleep nap in 90 minute cycles. Cause your REM cycle gets to the top. Yeah. You want to wake up yeah. at 90 okay. minutes. It's science. So if you're going to nap before a game, you have to wake up at 90 or get all the way to three hours. No brainer to me. I got to go three hours. Doc told you know me what to though, Johnny? I got to go three hours. You know what though, buddy? You're not napping. You go back to bed. That's what you do. Anything I'm beyond 40 minutes and you're not <laughs> napping, you've gone back to bed. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> Good night. Go back to bed. Great job today, gentlemen. Much appreciated. Thank you very much for your downloads and your subscriptions. Thanks for listening. Much appreciated. Hey, head over to iTunes. Leave us a review. We'd love to know what you think of the work we're doing here on Got Your Back. For LeBron Johnson, I'm Rashad. We'll talk to you next week. Cheers, everyone.